0: up all you crazy cool cats and kittens and welcome back to episode six of united by pop's pandemonium that was um the high
1: energy intro you were looking for <laughs> oh my god yeah that actually was uh, it's exactly the intro i was looking for thank you <laughs> you're welcome just finished my dc <laughs> so um oh no is that what i always say no you go so anyways.
0: <laughs> it's, it's the cutest thing. I'm
1: going to try to be cognizant of that this time so I don't say it as much. <sighs> so anyways. <laughs> um when I was making the agenda for this week, I noticed that we've kind of become the unofficial official X One Direction members podcast. Is that a bad thing? No, I think it's fine. I think there's a niche for that.
0: I would also... There's actually a really special shout-out that we need to do this week to our top listener. Oh, yeah? Um, Miss Jess Dollar. She's been listening to all of our um, catalogue episodes while she's been working.
1: Oh, what a VIP.
0: Shout-out to Jess. Big love. Is Is she a fan of what we talk about? Like, is she cool with this as our main topic? I mean... She is the person who I referenced in the last episode who didn't know the One Direction question within the quiz, so...
1: Well, maybe this is an educational experience for her then. Yeah, it must be.
0: That's good. We're helping people. (laughs) I'm going to look at it like that. We're basically just like One Direction
1: Jesus. (laughs) So I I have two topics we can jump right into. You can pick which one you would rather us start with. Number one... Harry's Calm App thing. Mm. Number two, Louis leaving Psycho. Pick. Oh, Harry. (laughs) And what makes you go with Harry? I just love him so much. (laughs) Now, did you love hearing his voice in your ears while you were trying to fall asleep?
0: Okay, listen. I am going to be 100% totally honest with you. I hope you always are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one, I ain't paying for a Calm subscription to listen to my man in my ears, right? Hmm. So I did download the trial that went viral, which was with Kleenex or something. So your girl has got the Calm app. But then I did also go onto SoundCloud, just to have a little listen, listen to it. I haven't listened to the whole thing all the way
1: through, have you? I started listening to it when it first came out because my mom subscribes to the Calm app, like long time subscriber. And I like almost fell off my seat. I was squirming so hard. I listened to the start with my mom
0: and even she was like, oh.
1: (laughs) When he starts telling you to breathe Breathe in, in and and breathe out. out.
0: In and out. I was like,
1: whoa, oh, I can't
0: do this. Listen, Sunny Jim, none of us are thinking about breathing at that point in exactly. time, all right?
1: <laughs> I got a deal. So the thing that I think is really funny, and you just mentioned it, is the Kleenex um, <laughs> <laughs> link. So someone on Twitter, on Tumblr, I don't know where it originated from, but they found that the Com app was doing a promotion with Kleenex to give people a free 30 day trial with no credit card required. And it was literally like comapp.com slash Kleenex was like the link or something. Yeah. And it was spreading like wildfire on social media and people were signing up like crazy to you know, be able to just listen to Harry. That's all they wanted out of the app. And then all I'm thinking is these poor people behind the scenes mm-hmm. whose entire data collection is now fucked. Because it's just full of Harry fans signing up just to listen to Harry. And they just have no idea how effective the Kleenex promotion actually was. Yeah. That sucks. I mean, they stopped that
0: pretty quickly once they realized what was actually
1: happening. Yeah, I
0: noticed they shut that down. I managed to slide on in there. Ah, Good job. Thanks. Thanks. Really got there quick, didn't I? But um, yeah, I just, I love the idea behind it. I love that. So whose whose recording studio did he do it in? It was like in a van, wasn't it? I want to say Bob Dylan, but it's not. It was Bob Dylan. Oh my God, I'm good. (laughs) I can literally just imagine him sitting there in one of the things that obviously belongs to one of his idols and then trying to keep a straight face when he reads this story because that is not his normal speaking voice. That is literally like your fake sex operator voice when you're reading a story.
1: <laughs> is it like the voice I use when I go through the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru?
0: <laughs> I was actually talking to Jess about that the other day. I was like, first time I, first time I went to visit Jackie and we went through a drive-thru to get a copy, her voice literally went up five octaves.
1: <laughs> Hi, can I get a medium iced with... It's not your voice! I don't know, it. I get nervous. (laughs) The most offensive thing I found about the whole recording situation was that fucking denim page boy hat he's wearing. Oh, yeah. All I can picture is him wearing that stupid thing while he talks sexy in my ear.
0: But do you know what? Obviously, we're huge Harry Styles fans, but it does amaze me that when he does things like this on these kind of apps that obviously people who don't know him or aren't fans of him use again it opens him up to such a broad audience like there's so many people on my facebook feed who are like oh my god harry Styles on calm and it's like you don't even listen to him but in his in in a musical sense but you're listening to him read a story there's just something about him that just makes you want to listen to him
1: but i do find it kind of annoying um and i think a lot of fans agree that like we were ridiculed for years for being mm. One Direction fans. But now that, like, Harry is cool, mm. they're, like, jumping on the bandwagon and they're all fans now. And yeah. you're like, excuse me, like, you bullied me over this mm. for a long time. And now, like, it's fine. Like, mm Piss off.
0: I'm just reading, um, this is something from GQ magazine. All of the reviews are really, really good for it. Basically saying that Harry is their therapist now. (laughs) Love it. A lot of them are, again, um, I mean, I'm on the first page of Google and it's Harry Styles' sexy sleep story. Harry Styles fans are living for his soothing, calm app story. Harry Styles' sexy, calm app meditation.
1: My personal favorite is the one from Elle, which says, Harry Styles is terrible at putting me to sleep. (laughs) Oh, I don't have that one of on mine yet. <laughs> she goes, I wanted to give the consent king the benefit of the doubt, so I slipped into my softest pair of pajamas, <laughs> applied some essential oils, and sipped a glass of white vino for good measure. All in the name of journalism, they say. Everything was arranged for an ideal night's sleep. The only problem? Listening to Harry Styles whisper sweet nothings into my ear made me want to do anything but nod off. Oh
0: my God.
1: From the get-go, Styles' attempt at a lullaby is mildly erotic. After introducing himself, he promises, Tonight, we're going to think about anything you'd like. So first, let's visualize some scenes to see us through the night. I know how to take direction, immediately conjuring dreams of Harry's cardigans and that target candle that reportedly smells like him.
0: <laughs> I love it. It's so
1: good. So apparently,
0: Mr. Stiles actually... Um gave them investment for Calm, so he owns a slice of Calm, which would be why he's given them his voice.
1: That explains so much.
0: Says here, a mindfulness app founded by UK entrepreneur Michael Acton Smith has secured $27 million from US investors and former One Direction singer Harry Styles. That was back in June 2018, so it's been quite a long time coming since he invested in it.
1: Oh my god, Harry just really wants us to calm the fuck down. That's really nice of him. Mm. Ashton Kutcher has also got money in Calm as well. Calm is like kind of a brilliant idea, especially in the middle of a pandemic. I would bet money Mm. that they have gotten more subscriptions in the last four months than they probably did in the last four years. They haven't even been around for four years, but you know what I mean. For sure. They also advertise like crazy. They're always advertising on TikTok and... It's like some of the games that I play on my phone, they come up all the time.
0: It's just very, like you said, if there was a time and a place for an app like this, I mean, a global pandemic is it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but I'll be really interested to know, which I will never know, but I will think about it, mm. um, how many of the people who subscribed just to listen to Harry will continue being subscribers. Oh, less than 5%. Oh my gosh, she's coming right out with the numbers.
0: I mean, come on. No, it'll
1: be very, it'll be few.
0: Exactly. If they're anything like me, it's like I couldn't even be asked. Basically, when it first came out, you couldn't even get onto Calm on web because the whole thing just crashed. Yeah. So I was like, right, I'm just going to head straight to SoundCloud. Of course, it's already been ripped. It's already been put on there and just start listening to it.
1: Yeah, but maybe people will be like, well, there are like, like quite a few other celebrities in their catalogue. Um, yeah. This is actually helping relax me in the middle of a global pandemic. Like, I'll keep mm. it. But it's pretty. It's a pretty expensive app, isn't it? Like,
0: Yeah, I think you download it for free, don't you? But then it's the subscription. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't paid for it. Ask your mum.
1: I know. I think it's a pretty hefty monthly thing, fee. But she literally listens to it every night before bed. So, I mean, I think... So I it's it's super interesting because I was gonna I was wondering if he would be getting some sort of a cut, but if he's an investor, mm. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I'm not um
0: grown up enough.
1: But it didn't take a lot of effort for him to really like sit in a bus and record for like an hour or so.
0: No. But I'm not complaining.
1: I would imagine I would imagine some things. <laughs> Great. What are you imagining, my friend? That he kind of did it. For his investment, you know? Oh, yeah. 100%. To see if he can convert some of his fans into subscribers, so. It's also just a very on-brand thing
0: for him, isn't it? The whole treat people with kindness, look after your mental health, you know, try and get eight hours of sleep a night. It all fits into this whole... What a good boy. Whether that's him or what his PR, like, want his public... The perception to like be of him it all fits together
1: definitely does i and it's i mean because he obviously didn't get pr input when he invested into the app but Mm. it's still like super on brand for him for sure or maybe he did maybe that's part of being a pr in the music industry in 2018 i don't know maybe you help people with their investments
0: (laughs) that was pre-pandemic i just can't think that far back now
1: all right so there's (laughs) this guy named roger friedman and he has a music kind of showbiz blog called Showbiz 411, Hmm. which used to be um, on Fox News as a Fox 411 column. He wrote an article titled, Frustration for members of One Direction as Harry Styles soars, Louis Tomlinson leaves Simon Cowell's management at last. And so... It just kind of reminds me about how, like, Harry's every move seems so incredibly calculated. Like, even mm. partnering with an app that's, like, an extension of his brand. Like, it's all just so seamless and yet so, like, a little too perfect. Yeah. And so he says, you know, he's kind of the Justin Timberlake of the group. Like, Jesus Christ, who hasn't compared him to Justin Timberlake? I honestly think he's already, like, <laughs> beyond Justin Timberlake's status, but maybe I'm biased. But... He says the balance of One Direction is struggling. Louis Tomlinson is part of One Direction, just as Harry Styles, Niall Horan, Liam Payne are and Zayn Malik was before he quit the band. But their solo careers other than Styles have not been easy campaigns. Mm -hmm. Today, Tomlinson announced he was finally leaving the management of Simon Cowell, who's been with his whole time since first appearing on The X Factor before One Direction existed. But he says Styles, meanwhile, could not be doing better. Managed by Irving Azoff's powerhouse group, Styles has blossomed as a pop and fashion star. He's not even as talented a singer or songwriter as some of his bandmates. Horan is miles better. But that doesn't matter. Through clever marketing and real attention to detail, Stiles has followed Timberlake into the rare category of rock star, well, pop star, with capital letters. Hmm. Like first, I'm genuinely shocked that he would say that Nile is Miles better because I think that's like a pretty hot take. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think Nile is equally as talented as Harry, but they're extremely different. Yeah, and they hard are. to compare. But you know, people love comparing all of them, anyways. Um, but then he, so then he goes on to say, um, in the last few weeks, Styles' second album, Fine Line, has jumped back into the top ten after a so-so launch. When did it have a so-so launch? I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, it didn't we spoke about that before and it's always been, it went top ten, top five.
1: It was the last top album of 2019 and the first top album yeah. of 2020, so I think it's fine. But he says the album has been aided by a hit single called Watermelon Sugar that makes Sugar Sugar by The Archie seem heavy, but it's worked <laughs> as his androgynous projection of being sexually available to everyone. He wears dresses and makeup, flies through the air in his videos, and smiles widely through all of it. And the records are really, really embarrassingly awful. <laughs> what? I know. It's not his bad opinion about music is not the point. But then he says, Tomlinson is now off Cowell's label, but he can probably remain at Arista, which needs name stars as it rebuilds in its new incarnation. But will any of the One Directioners aside from Styles ever take off? That's yet to be determined.
0: Well, where do we start?
1: You know, there's a lot to unpack there. So first of all, fuck you, Roger Friedman. You don't really know anything. Fuck you. <laughs> Your opinion sucks, but I want to talk about what he said a little bit about the business side, because that's more interesting and more of what he knows. And by the way, he looks like he's probably in his like, mid-60s, early 70s white man. They always are, aren't they? Yeah. So, you know, his. Well, we're taking his opinion with a grain of salt. But <laughs> um, what he says about... Clever marketing and attention to detail, I think, is exactly what we were saying about him choosing to invest and work with the com app. Yeah. You know, everything that he chooses to do or not do is just, it's all planned out mm-hmm. so perfectly. I And I don't, I wonder how much of a say he has in it, or if it's just Azov controlled 100% of the way. I don't know.
0: I don't know. It's a really good question. I mean, we're probably never, ever going to find out because if we were to apply for a job with Harry's team, they'd probably do a back check on us, listen to these, and then realise that we've slagged off his merchandise.
1: Oh, don't say that. That's where I want it. That's my dream job.
0: <laughs> but, um, yeah, as you said, everything just seems so planned out and fitted together perfectly that it can't be coincidence. There's something that, you know, they're plotting that fits into a bigger plan, that watermelon sugar is going to lead into something else, and... I mean, Harry Styles is going to take over the world.
1: Yeah, I, I just think like he is an example of how an artist can really flourish and thrive if they have a team that is just like 100% behind mm. them and willing to throw whatever resources it takes at them to enable them to succeed. Yeah. Whereas Louis like, has had struggles behind the scene for at least the last five years, if not longer.
0: I feel like... It's so difficult to compare them side by side, because again, even when you go back to the One Direction days, it was always Harry that was like in the top, in the limelight. He was the womanizer. He was the one that everyone liked. He was the cute one with curly hair. And then, you know, there was people just saying, not my opinion, but people who were saying, you know, like Louis can't sing, you know, he shouldn't be in the band. He's this, that and that. To compare them then on a solo level as well, it's just... It's a completely different playing field. Like there's all of that. There's obviously the massive insecurities that Louis has from kind of overhearing that and being told that when he was younger. Totally. And then obviously this team that, I mean, from the outside looks like hasn't really done him any favours. I mean, like Walls was a decent first album. Right. Um, It wasn't, you know, off the charts. Every single song is absolutely amazing. But there was some really good songwriting in there
1: it seemed like he was like, let me try being a reality TV show judge. Let me try putting my own girl Mm -hmm. band together. Let me try being a songwriter. Let me try management, like, which is fine. I mean, I think after you've spent, you know, five years in a group, like Mm. you want to kind of see what you can do, what you can't do, you know, and he had excelled in the group more behind the scenes than we realized, you know, writing Hmm. the music and kind of like, you know, keeping everybody on track and, you know, learning the business side of it. And it seemed like, you know, like we talked about last episode that Simon Cowell wanted to make him the next Simon Cowell, but Hmm. then it's like, if they're kind of breaking apart, maybe things like were not so kosher behind the scenes and, you know, it wasn't as much as a mentorship as we thought and... You know, I remember there was one story that went viral and I don't remember the exact details, but it was like early in the One Direction, like really early in the One Direction days, like Simon flew Louis by himself from England to LA to like Mm. yell at him basically and like warn him about something. And then people were like, why did he only send him? Like, that's like scary. (laughs) I'm like, I know he was the oldest boy and you know, the the like de facto leader but it was like they definitely had a weird relationship and i think that with some you know space away from him now things can only go up for louis
0: yeah i mean that is the strangest thing when you think about it like obviously psycho is simon cowell's main sort of label at sony um You think that they have a good relationship seen as he went back and was a judge on the X Factor and they seem all chummy chummy, but there's obviously something not working there. So we don't really know much to the story, do we? It was just Louis' tweet where he said, hope everyone is doing okay. Just wanted to let you know that Psycho Music and I have agreed to part ways. I'm really excited for the future and to be back in the studio writing the next album. Can't wait to finally see you all on tour. Stay safe and see you soon, Louis.
1: Yeah. That's it. So, I mean, and then it kind of came to light the next day that Sony was making some money moves and Mm -hmm. um, Simon Cowell had, like, bought out Sony's stake in the joint venture.
0: Yeah, so basically Simon Cowell now has sole control of Psycho music, and he's changed it to Psycho Entertainment. Yeah. So it's no longer anything to do with Sony.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's got, you know, the whole Got Talent America's got talent. Britain's got talent. The whole world's got talent. I don't have any talent. The X Factor. (laughs) Um, You know, all these things that he's been working on for so long. um, Sony doesn't have a piece of anymore. Really. Just
0: another, no, mini little side segue that I just, I don't know anyone who's still interested in the X Factor.
1: I know. I think all those singing shows have like just got to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've run their course. They were good at the beginning. I mean, what season are we even on? Let's have a look. How many seasons?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm thankful that they gave us One Direction, Little Mix, Fifth Harmony, all that. And I mean, American Idol gave us so many people, but like, put it to bed now.
0: Uh, We have had 15 seasons of The X Factor.
1: Jesus. Jesus, Lord. (laughs) But so the confusing part of this, because... As much as I pretend I understand the music business, I really fucking don't. Um, As part of the agreement, Sony Music retains Psycho's music assets. So it's like letting go of the TV part, but it's still going to have its roster of current artists and its back catalog, including One Direction. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what that means for Louis' music, I'm not totally sure. Like, I guess... Like, I contractually, I don't know if he'll be forced to stay with sony even if he's parted ways with psycho yeah or if just it doesn't even have to be contractually maybe he'll just choose to want to stay with sony because technically harry's with sony too because columbia is under the sony umbrella yeah so and obviously they haven't done him dirty i mean as we just said he's done phenomenally
0: technically unless there's been other deals going then that walls album will still belong to sony right but i think we can just i i think we can
1: call the walls album dead
0: I mean
1: and I think with the tour being pushed I mean so the dates the rescheduled dates for the rest of the world came out and they're like the ones in the U.S. at least are early 2021. I think you said yours were still were they still late 2020 or did they move those two? No I
0: think mine's moved to March 21.
1: Yeah okay so that makes sense so then he, he must come to the states afterward because I think mine are in April. That's not happening. Mm. Like am I wrong?
0: I mean, I don't know. They're saying that we can go back to work and stuff soon. I
1: definitely didn't think the ones in late 2020 would have... Like, there was an 0% chance of that, so I'm not surprised they pushed it off into 2021. I don't think any concerts in 2021 are really going to happen. I really don't. Like, I... I, You know, people say I'm a pessimist. I say I'm a realist. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't see it happening after... Like, if we have the kind of winter with coronavirus that's Mm. predicted... Yeah. I mean, I just read a thing about a venue. I think it's in Newcastle that they're having like instead of the drive-in concept, they're having little groups of people on their own platform basically, and it's like it can hold mm-hmm. 2000 people and it's God. everyone's like in their own little platform in the on like the lawn. It's it's so weird looking, but they're like this is the future, and I just I just don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think
0: it is either. And Live Nation injected so much money into these drive-in shows to be told this week that they can't go ahead.
1: Oh, they told them they can't have them?
0: Cancelled over localised lockdown.
1: Well, there you go.
0: Um. So yeah, I don't know how they can plan for any of this. Obviously, I understand they don't want to outright cancel things and have to refund everyone because all that money is tied up in a lot of different, you know areas of the business yeah but they're
1: gonna have to reschedule a second time which is like so hard to do well mine my louis show
0: already has been rescheduled twice
1: i know i think it looks like the uk is kind of leading this effort in like alternate concert possibilities of like
0: yeah
1: you know the drive-in or like this weird thing with like mini platforms like I'm i'm not sure anybody in the u.s is even thinking that far i think because we are in such a shittier situation right now because my country's full of yeah. morons and like we have not done nearly as well as you know the UK and Europe have um, but like such a big part of these you're a lot bigger yeah but such a big part of these tours is the North American leg I, I told my friend in Canada I was like I'm so sorry we're ruining this for you like you're not going to be mm. able to have Canadian shows either because we're so bad yeah and so it just brings me back to Louis' tour, which is supposed to be, like, the Walls tour, like, the album came out in January, and now the tour has been pushed to 2021. I think it will be pushed again to 2022, and my mm. I kind of hope that by that point, he'll have recorded something new with his new record label, and it will be the, you know, the new Louis Tomlinson XYZ tour 2022. Yeah. That would honestly be my, like, my biggest hopes for him, so he can just kind of put this psycho relationship to bed. And be like, that was a nice album I made. I'll just call it a trial run. And we'll kind of pretend it wasn't, you know, it wasn't there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty good idea. What else is he going to be doing during lockdown? I hope he's writing. Yeah, I mean,
1: Niall, when he was active online, he was, like, writing songs all the time with people. So it'll be really interesting to see if he continues with Arista in the United States because I just don't I think I said Mm -hmm. last week they just don't seem to lift a finger for him so I overall I just kind of really hope he gets like a completely clean slate to restart on yeah and he has it would be good he has the most dedicated fan base as we've said multiple multiple times Mm -hmm. they will follow him no matter where he goes support him no matter what he does and any record label would be smart to have him and just invest in him and you will get your money back. Okay. I sign it. That is a statement that I will put my name behind. My name has a lot of weight and they should listen to me. You guys didn't know
0: that Jacqueline Colgraff was actually a master in finance. (laughs) Did
1: you (laughs) ROI, baby? You will get return on your (laughs) investment record labels. So she's got all the acronyms. Yes. I I would like people to know that when I had my first job out of college, um, when I would go to the marketing department meetings, I would literally sit there and I would write down every fucking acronym that they used because that is a thing (laughs) that business people do to try to sound smarter. It's an exclusionary tactic and it's not nice. And I would write them all down and then I would go back to my computer after the meeting and Google all of the
0: acronyms. It's true. (laughs) I remember. It's very. I used to get messages from you being like, what does... Blah blah blah. Mean you're like, uh, hang on a minute. <laughs> Google this for me. Help. But yeah, so I mean, if Louis hasn't been writing in lockdown, then I'll be a little bit disappointed. But if he's been watching the new Zac Efron documentary,
1: <laughs> like we have. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, I mean, it has been a good watch. I wish Louis would be a little more available to us on social media so that we would kind of have a glimpse into what he's doing, even if it is just watching the Zach Efron documentary. But true, he's been awfully quiet. But then, like, when he comes back online and he's like, "Um, I just, like, had a humongous breakup with my record label. You're like, <laughs> okay, I guess it's all right that you've been quiet.
0: I guess it's fine. Maybe there was, like, legal things that he had to sort out so we couldn't say anything that he was pissed off or... I don't know. Yeah, maybe he was a monster. Louis, let us know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Louie. Louis, you sign into my DMs. You tell me, alright? You let us know. We're here for you if you need us. Yeah, let us know you're alright. So, anyways. <laughs> I started watching this Zach Efron documentary. What's it called? Down to Earth. Yeah. Down to Earth with Zach Efron on the old Netflix. Please sponsor us. Um and so basically it's Zach Efron taking journeys around the world with This guy called Darren, who's a wellness expert who I'd never heard of before, um, in a travel show that explores healthy, sustainable ways to live. So I started watching this. The first episode is all about Iceland and they go around and look at different renewable energy sources and how Iceland is kind of tackling climate change um, and doing different things with like they were in a thermal spa at one point and kind of what else were they doing there? I was
1: just mesmerized by how beautiful Iceland looked. I know, and I discovered that Iceland is kind of a halfway point between Boston and England, so it'll definitely be my layover whenever whenever the you know, the EU lets us fly back there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know when that will really, be, yeah.
0: but I liked that idea a lot. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, so Iceland, I mean, I think it sounds like the show wouldn't be that interesting um unless you're like a climate change <laughs> junkie, but or a Zac Efron junkie, I guess. But, like, it's really endearing because, like, Zach Efron doesn't strike me as somebody who's, like, a men's a candidate. Mm. But he's extremely thoughtful and sweet and just kind of, like, feels with his whole heart and wants to, you know, live a better life and help the world and kind of stop being so swept up in, like, the Hollywood, you know, Los Angeles life of it all. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, he takes you to a different place in every episode and kind of talks about like what these places are doing uniquely to, you know, help the world. And I don't, I don't want to spoil it for you, but he goes to the Amazon jungle and like they find all these medicinal plants that nobody's using up here, but have like unbelievable healing qualities. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's really remarkable. The kind of glimpse of the whole world and like things you don't know that this you know, little documentary gives you.
0: I really enjoyed it. And I really like the fact that obviously you see different countries and cultures in each of the episodes, but that there's also different things that I don't know, you wouldn't necessarily think about. Yeah. Um, I mean, just as one example, episode two where they went to France and they were kind of discussing the different types of water that you buy when they're bottled and how Paris kind of has a system there where you can take your bottle to different water points in the city um, just because they want that to be totally accessible for everyone I mean you can even get sparkling
1: water out of these things which I was just a bit like Jesus that's a bit high tech well when I watched that episode the first thing I thought of was our experience at Disney World yes so bad I was thinking about that yeah so Verity and I went to Disney World in (laughs) October 2019 we had no idea the world was about to shut down (laughs) so good thing we did but we just went for one day um, to Orlando and we bought water like the first, you know, when we first get there, Orlando's like 90 degrees year round. And mm-hmm. they only had two varieties of water in the park. It was either Dasani, which yes. has salt in it. <laughs> it is gross. Or Smart Water, which is good, but it was $6 a bottle.
0: <laughs> I can't believe we spent... Six dollars on a bottle of water. I
1: know. So every time we got one each, it was twelve dollars. And so I looked online and I was like, Do they have water bottle like refill points? And they honestly don't. Like, I found some Disney blog that spoke about this one refill point in Magic Kingdom. And so we like went out of our way to try to find it. And it was in like one of the most crowded restaurants in the whole park. And we finally find it. It was so hard to track it down. And we fill up Mm. our bottles and we're like, yes, free water saved ourselves 12 bucks. The water was disgusting.
0: It was so bad. Undrinkable. The only way I can describe it is, you know, when you get something and you know, you're not going to like it because of the smell. Yes. (laughs) It tasted how it smelled. Awful. Awful. And we tried, didn't we? God bless us, we tried. Yeah,
1: we really wanted to, you know, not only save the money, but save the single-use plastic of all of these smart water bottles. Couldn't do it.
0: But it was just, it honestly, it was making me feel sick.
1: Yeah, it was disgusting water. I don't know where it came from. Like, I think it was toilet water. <laughs> that is really what it tasted like. It was vile. <laughs> I mean, it's just, that to me is just not up to Disney World standards no. by like any means. It was shocking. When you
0: think that, I mean, obviously not for us, but it's supposed to be families who go to Disney with kids. In that heat, it was bloody hot. I mean, I'm British, but that was bloody hot. And it was
1: October. I mean, there's worse parts of the (laughs) year. Exactly.
0: But you can't be going around and spending... I mean, obviously, you're going to spend full days in these parks. I mean, maybe we did the extreme doing two parks in one day and being absolutely knackered at the end of it. But you need a hell of a lot of water in that heat in order to feel okay and keep going. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, It just absolutely baffled me. So the fact that, I mean, I wonder what it's like at Disney Paris, whether they have it there, seeing as it,
1: the water in Paris was so good. That's a really interesting question. I would bet that they have it available. Yeah. It's just, it just seems like such an American thing to like gouge people who've already spent like $100 a person just to get in the park. Mm. Money to park your car at the park. You bought the fucking $40 ears, whatever, for like yeah. your family of six, and then you have to buy either crappy water for, I don't know, what was the Dasani probably, like $3 a bottle?
0: I can't remember.
1: Or the decent water for $6 a bottle. I mean, that is just so shitty. So bad. No, there should be water bottle refill points. Just all mm. of those sell cute reusable water bottles with Disney shit yeah. on it. And have refill points, and you yeah. will make enough money to offset the loss of your single-use plastic. I would buy one. Yeah, I just that was that was a really interesting downside of Disney World that we discovered. Mm. And that yeah. episode of the the documentary really showed like what public access to drinkable water can look like.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it was amazing. They even had their own. I don't know whether it was made by the government or whatever. So basically just an app where you can find all of the water points and which ones are closest to mm-hmm. you so you know you'd never be short of your water
1: yeah and it's so good for like the homeless population too to be able to get mm. clean drinking water even sparkling yeah yeah. the other thing that I found really I, the water episode I would say is one of the ones that really stuck with me the most because the other mm. part of it that I really thought was interesting was when they went to that water I'm going to butcher this word sommelier sommelier <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I tried. Um In LA, I think they were in LA because Anna Kendrick was there with Zach, mm-hmm. which was cute. And they tried all these different mineral waters. Mm-hmm. And they were basically saying like, when these places try to sell you pure water, they're doing you a disservice because they're taking the good minerals out of the water that you need and you don't get a lot of in your daily diet. That bit was so interesting. Yeah, and then they have like weights in the water like the amount of solids in your water has a weight and then you can like every one of them taste extremely different and I found a bottle of Pellegrino in my house and it had the weight on it of the dissolved solids and I was like oh my god it's true but I actually hate sparkling water it's actually it's one of my goals is to learn to like sparkling water
0: oh I like sparkling water but a lot of people don't I just want to be a LaCroix bitch or drink White Claws. Like blech. Don't like them. I've never had a White Claw. Like, um, hard, what do you call them? Sparkling. So.
1: Oh, what the hell do we call it? Hard seltzer. Hard, hard seltzer God. is not a thing here. Couldn't think of It is so popular here. It's insane. Mm. Like, the most popular thing, and I just can't stand it.
0: I, I'm, well, I'm going to try one next time I come to yours.
1: Yeah, you should. There's like a hundred flavors. They're, they're just outrageously popular. Hmm. I'm excited to try it.
0: Were there any other episodes that you particularly liked? I really didn't enjoy... Well, no, I did enjoy it because I like Zach, but I just found the London episode really underwhelming. Yeah, that wasn't
1: one of the most interesting.
0: There's so many good things that London does and it has different kind of strategies in order to... I mean, they they were talking about the pollution in the city and kind of how they were reducing it with different efforts from sort of there was one part where they had volunteers collecting up rubbish rubbish which was down near like where it settles near the Thames and comes out of the city um and other people doing work on sort of what do you call them wall gardens instead of having a concrete wall in front of you you can then stack it with different plants and it changes with the, with the seasons and stuff yeah which was great but I feel like both of those things aren't really just applicable to london that's any big city
1: yeah yeah it's true and then it was like here's a cute vegan blogger (laughs) yeah here's deliciously ella who is a
0: big blogger here anyway who has her own books like um she has her own god i don't know what they are like protein ball type things you can buy in the stores like she's massive over here she's not It's not anything groundbreaking.
1: And I don't really feel like they even went into why veganism is good for the environment either.
0: Yeah, that part was totally missed. It was just she has these underlying health issues. When she changed her diet to vegan, she managed to wean herself off of the meds that the doctors gave her. And now she feels all
1: right. Right. And then she was like, here's what I can make with vegan ingredients that has a lot of flavor and tastes really good and doesn't feel like, you know, such a departure from your regular food.
0: I mean, her curry did look good, but...
1: (laughs) You you just love a curry in England, I've noticed. Oh, I love a curry. (laughs) (laughs) banging.
0: So, I'm going to take you to an Indian when you come here to get you a cheesy
1: naan bread. Well, we have to stop in Iceland first, so... The most interesting episode, (laughs) I thought, actually, was the Sardinia episode.
0: Um, Oh, yeah, where the people live really long. There's, like, more centurions than... Centenarians, but closer. <laughs> That's a horse, isn't it? I, don't know. I think it is. Hang on, let me Google what I said. Centurion. <laughs> it's a Roman soldier. <laughs> well,
1: played by Michael Fassbender. You're not far off. Sardinia is an island centurion off, off of Italy. It's only it's the <laughs> second largest island, only smaller than Sicily. And so it's home to the most people over the age of 100 in the world. It's called the Blue Zone. I mean, Zone. if
0: they were a centurion, they would be over 100.
1: <laughs> if they were a Roman soldier. Yeah, they'd be way over 100. So the reason that I liked this episode the most is because when I first was introduced to Darren, I was like, I, I think this guy's a douche lord. Like, I don't like his vibe. No, I don't like, he like seems him. like one of those people who just pushes veganism on you and, like, you know, would cry if you ate cheese. Like, I don't like it. But when we get to Sardinia, he meets these um, scientists who are studying why the people in this land live longer than, you know, pe- mm-hmm. people in the whole rest of the world. And they start talking about diet. And they're saying it's not the high protein kind of keto diets that everybody, you know, in the U S and in the diet industry pushes. And even Zach's Mm -hmm. like, that is what all of my, you know, trainers have always tried to get me to eat my, my whole life. Like, especially when he was like bulking up for, you know, certain movies and stuff. Um, you know, they always are pushing high protein, high protein, but they're saying in this land where the people live so long, it's not high protein. It's just like, it's mostly plants. Mm. And then it's carbs. They also eat carbs. They eat pasta. It's Italy.
0: Yeah, and a tiny, tiny amount of protein. Yeah. Wasn't he saying, like, I can't remember the exact figures because I don't know how many grams of protein you're supposed to have a day or whatever. But they would literally say X amount is enough for your whole day. And then
1: Zach would be like, I used to eat more than that in one meal. Exactly. And they also, like, the difference... Is like if I went to the store and I bought like a box of penne, it's Mm. not the pasta that they're eating there where the ingredients, like the flour is so fresh and they're literally making the noodles by hand from recipes that have been passed down for hundreds of years. Like it's total, it's such, it's so different when you eat your own local ingredients, which I think was a big premise in the whole show is that you should be eating food seasonally, you know, Mm. and that's local to you because you know, all the nutrients are lost when it's transported and when we genetically modify it and when we make processed food out of it. I feel like that's,
0: that's a huge thing um, over here. Kind of like even when we're buying, I don't know, like Brussels sprouts or something, they're only seasonal sort of in the winter once the frost has been on them. Yet you can get them all year round. Then you look on the packet and they're from like, I don't know, Egypt or something. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like how how is it sustainable for one to fly I mean, I'm assuming they're flown or somehow I get here food like that halfway around the world just so you can eat
1: a certain type of vegetable in July. hmm It doesn't make sense. They genetically modify food so that it's better for transport. Mm. And then it you know, so like apples don't bruise or whatever and then they yeah, they're not as good for you anymore. And that's the kind of stuff that fucks with our health. And I think, you know, as somebody who has never eaten meat, people my whole Mm. life with this stupid mock concern have been like, how do you get your protein? Why are you not dead on the floor right now? And it's like, you actually don't need to be eating as much protein as you think. No. You just need pasta. You should have seen Zac Efron's face When he ate pasta in Sardinia and he was like, I have gone, you know, six months, years without eating carbs. And I was so sad. And this food makes me so happy.
0: He was so sweet, wasn't he? That bit really did make me teary. He's such a cute boy.
1: He's a man now.
0: I've got a big crush on him.
1: (laughs) Why are you giggling? It was, it's just, Zac Efron was such a huge part of my teenage life with High School Musical. Yeah. I never thought he would Why come back Why are you saying that?
0: As if you're saying that as if High School Musical wasn't a thing. Here. Oh, I
1: don't mean it that way. I just mean, oh, okay. It's unbelievable how he was so different 10, yeah. 15 years ago, and now like he's back in my life in a special way. But like for my adult me, and I just, it's just wonderful. Hands off, bitch.
0: Yeah. If anything, this program has made me love him even more. Yeah. Big fan here, Zach big fan oh no he just seems like a genuinely nice person like I just he just seems like he always has time for everyone I mean one of the examples was in the Sardinia episode where yeah. they've just been kind of in a kitchen helping out with obviously the local older ladies and can't speak any of their language and you know just getting on and being nice and then obviously word spreads that Zach Efron's in our tiny town um, he opens the door and there's just a horde of like teenage <laughs> girls there waiting for him, and you know he just—I mean, it could be because the cameras were on him or whatever—but he just seemed so genuinely nice, and you know, crouched down, hugged them, did some selfies, got a picture with all of them, signed some stuff. Yeah, um, just genuinely happy to speak to those people and give them some of his time. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I think it—it it came across he as can't really do genuine. Any
1: wrong. No, he's perfect. And I think it like it must be interesting for him to travel to like Peru with like these yeah. people who, you know, are so isolated and and might not have any form of technology really who mm. most likely have no idea who he is or maybe they're like oh he's been in a movie but like they just like don't care. Yeah. And so he gets treated just just as normal as anybody else. Yeah. You see a lot of sides of Zack in the show, especially the topless side. <laughs> exactly but I think think he's a really good example of like being very open to learning new things Mm. and listening to people and you know even if you might not be the sharpest crayon in the box we can all still Mm. do better yeah
0: that's a nice little anecdote
1: yeah (laughs) so the next thing I really wanted to talk about that came up this week that blew my mind Hmm. Was that in the middle of the year, Billboard is changing its chart rules. Say what? <laughs> I know. Crazy news, right? <laughs> so. Tell me more. Basically, one of the most utilized methods for artists to debut at number one or just climb the Billboard charts in general was bundling merchant tickets. Mm-hmm. They changed the rules regarding that a little bit, I think it was last year, where when you go to an artist's merch site, you have to be able to buy the merch item and the album separately at a lower cost than if they were bundled together, and if mm. they don't have that available, then it does not get counted in the chart as an album sale. Good. But that didn't do enough, and so... In, this, in the article that Billboard put out, which is a press release, basically, where Billboard talks about themselves in the third person, and it's just like the weirdest tone of voice. But anyways, they say, Billboard is changing the rules to its Billboard 200, Hot 100, and other album and song charts, a blow to the industry's controversial practice of bundling albums with concert tickets and merchandise to drive market share and music sales. The move effectively Mm. does away with these bundles as methods of supercharging chart performance as well as instant digital sales attached to purchases for physical albums delivered at a later date. So one of the things that I complain about vocally is when Mm -hmm. you order a piece of artist merch and it doesn't come for like six months, which has happened to us on so many occasions because we love to order merch and then give it away on our website. And so, like, for example, we ordered a signed album booklet from Five Seconds of Summer Mm -hmm. in March. (laughs) Was it that long ago? Yes. I still do not have that signed booklet and our poor winner does not have it either. It is ridiculous. So I never understood why they sold these things that they didn't have. Mm. And, like, it seemed like they were selling also, like, sweatshirts and t-shirts that hadn't been made yet. And it would take them months to make them and ship them. And I see it across the board, loads of different artists. It is not just one. And I, I, was just, I did not understand why that was happening. And so with this announcement from Billboard, I now realize that when you buy those things, you get the merch item. You get mm-hmm. usually a physical album. And then you also get an immediate instant digital download of the album. Mm-hmm. I always thought that they gave you that to kind of like offset your expectations because you're not going to be getting the rest of your order for half a year. But they did it because when you instantly download that album, that is an album sale that gets counted immediately. I have been so pissed off about all this merch that, you know, you give these, I mean, I always feel like I'm like, here, Ariana, like I just gave you $50 for a friggin' signed lithograph, like Mm. you've spent it on smoothies and I have nothing. (laughs) I used to have a stupid digital download and I've just, it infuriated me. But now that I understand the tactic behind it, I'm infuriated even more.
0: (laughs) It just, it seems so unfair on the fans part that it's, you know, of course they want to support these artists. Of course they want to buy their album and also whatever limited edition stuff you're going to throw at
1: them. Right.
0: But, For God's sake, you know months in advance when your album is going to come out. This isn't just a, I don't know, let's pick next week and drop it then. There's so much planning that goes into these albums, you know, from getting tracks onto the radio to the marketing to the God knows whatever else with what you have to do for the product. I don't know, I don't work in that, never have. So, like, You know you're going to want to come up with these bundles. So start making the physical products so your fans can fucking have them.
1: Yeah. It's just taking advantage of fans' limited resources. Like, we're not the rich ones in this equation. Mm. And not fulfilling, you know, your side of the bargain. And it's gross. Yeah. So I really hope that this billboard change does away with this. Mm. So I thought overall that it was a really positive change, obviously, Um, And the one fandom that I knew who also thought it was a really positive change was BTS because they don't rely on that at all. And they still are just like miles ahead of their competition in charts Mm. with units sold. Like they just can sell albums like nobody else right now.
0: Oh, I mean, they've got so many world records and different titles for just how amazing their fans are for buying their stuff.
1: Yeah. And I guess they fulfill what they buy, which is just wild. Who knew? So like I said, I thought the change was super positive. And then I get an email from Hits Daily Double last night that was kind of the opposite of what I thought. And so right. they kind of think that Billboard's relevancy, relevancy is dying anyways, which um, is an article that I've kind of like half written a million times about how, like, album charts, like, in magazines like that, like, Rolling Stone launched their own chart, like, that kind of stuff is just completely mm-hmm. obsolete these days with streaming because, you know, people can just stream hundreds of times a day with, like, their headphones plugged in, like, not even listening to try to boost yeah. their artists up the charts. Like, it just has, you know, the being a top ten on those charts just has no meaning anymore. But funnily enough, when you write stuff like that, outlets like Bil- Billboard don't really want to publish it. Oh, no, funny guy, isn't yeah, it? Kind of a shock. But anyway, so I haven't gotten that piece published. But so Hits Daily Double says, with the relevance of Billboard at an all-time low ebb, the Bible, which is what they refer to them as, Brain mm. Trust has offered a further slap in the face to artists and the rest of the biz with its abrupt and wildly ill-timed decision to cut off bundles for charts in early October, making 2020 the first year ever to have different metrics during one calendar year, and creating an uneven playing field once again by wiping out historical comparative data. Blah, blah, blah. This move on bundling, which will make their charts so much less meaningful, exemplifies just how out of touch they are. It's pretty clear that nobody cares about the Bible anymore. While its own charts once ruled the biz, they've been eclipsed by the only ones that really matter now, the Spotify streaming Mm. charts and the media-based AirPlay charts. While getting a top 10 or top 20 record on a Billboard chart used to be significant, now it's meaningless. They made themselves irrelevant with their own methodology. Ask yourself, when was the last time you heard somebody say, we're top 20?
0: Yeah.
1: So interesting. So they're saying that removing these bundles is an anti-rock and anti-country move and means that a number one chart debut, the only meaningful spot on a billboard chart, make no mistake, is now out of reach for all but the top streaming artists. What's more, the revenue from merch bundles has been offsetting lost touring revenue for these acts whose income has overwhelmingly come from the live side. That was the part that I thought was the most interesting about it
0: mm. because
1: I wasn't even thinking about the fact that they make probably an insane amount of money on these merch bundles that they're definitely not making in the live sector anymore because yeah. of corona. Like This is probably the only way that they were able to pay people on their team was mm. through merch money. And so now, you know, without encouraging people to buy it this way it'll kind of screw things up for them in that way but
0: yeah I mean that's a really interesting point like you said I didn't really think of it in that way um there's been so many sort of different charity t-shirts and different things going around in order to help these artists crew um I mean again those t-shirts probably aren't even made so (laughs) it will be a pre-order for something to help these people which you're not going to get for months
1: see that's the thing like as much as I understand what they're saying about making money, I would be much more willing to buy my favorite artist's merch if it would come to me in a week or two, like when I buy regular clothes. Mm. Yeah. And if it was priced without a, a, an album added in. Yeah. Because, and also like, how, like with the ticket prices being as expensive as they are, we didn't, you know, we don't even realize that an album is built into that ticket price too. Like when I I ended up with like seven copies of Fine Line and like five oh my copies god, of Flicker, like I don't need and and they're on CDs that I can't play anywhere. <laughs> mm. My car does not have a CD player. My computer does not have a CD player. I don't have a CD player to listen to these albums. But now I've got seventeen of them. Oh my
0: god! You better start selling.
1: Yeah, I really should just hit up the eBay. And then the problem with. Like, when you get this merch, so say, like, Harry Styles releases Watermelon Sugar, whatever the hell it was, like, March, Mm -hmm. and he puts out this Watermelon Sugar shirt, which is still ugly as sin, but whatever, pretend I want it. (laughs) I mean, you did. So I order it, and it's probably, like, 50 bucks for a t-shirt, like, Macklemore would not approve, and (laughs) it comes in August. Like, I'm not even interested in the song anymore, like, let alone wearing this fucking shirt. Yeah. Or, like... The weather's cold. I, don't, I can't wear a T-shirt anyway, not in August, but you know what I mean. Like, it's just the, this concept of ordering something and getting it that much later is just absolutely ridiculous. Not in this world of Amazon Prime. It just doesn't fly.
0: Oh, hell no. I mean, you've got Amazon Prime over here. We're big on, like, Amazon... Uh, Jesus Christ, I said the same thing again. We've got Amazon Prime, and then we're big on ASOS Premiere as well, which is literally... You know, I can order something as late as 8pm at night and it be here the next day. And that's, you literally pay like £12 and you get that service for the entire year. Yeah. I mean, you're growing up in a time when you've got that. Obviously, the pandemic also saw a massive surge in people ordering all of their groceries online, just everything online, because you couldn't get out of the four walls of your house. Mm -hmm. And then... To go from having this stuff almost almost instantaneous to then having to wait four months for a t-shirt. I mean, like you said, those things are redundant by then. Yeah. I wonder when I'm gonna get my Haim voicemail if you're listening to this.
1: <laughs> yeah, and meanwhile, like they've gotten what they wanted, which was the digital album sale. Yeah. So they're like done with you. Hmm. It's gross.
0: I just I really hope that this change in the billboard charts does affect that. But I mean, how how does it work when you are offering things like a personalized voicemail message? Because that isn't something that you can make in advance. Um, Will we just see more kind of iterations of things like that that don't, don't require you to physically make a product?
1: Yeah, that's like an interesting, an interesting one, because they do still have to deliver that to you in a way. Yeah, and the artist is more involved than just you know their merch team printing a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm not su- I'm not sure what'll happen because they obviously did that to get you to buy yet another copy of their album. Mm. Heim, we hear you. It already <laughs> has 17 copies of your album.
0: I've got enough now. Just leave it,
1: okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what you end up with, and it's just it's it's a weird world, and so I'll I, I'll be interested to see if these changes to the charts. Mm. matter because i mean Hit daily Double says that their charts are obsolete anyways so what does it matter but it's also you know it's weird that it's going to hit in october and not in january 2021
0: but i find it hard to believe that they think that chart is redundant too so so you have the billboard charts over there and we have just the official charts over here right um but they but... don't come with
1: a publication right like, it's not from a magazine.
0: They don't come with a publication. I think they're just a standalone
1: mm-hmm.
0: kind of company that everyone uses and it aggregates everything. Yeah. Um, But I think the same sort of rules, I don't know, it'd be interesting to find out if the same rules will apply to them as mm. well.
1: Yeah, if they're kind of setting a standard now that other charts are going to follow.
0: Yeah, but I mean, of course that, you know, a billboard chart or an official chart in the UK is going to still be relevant for artists.
1: If you can
0: put out an album and then in the next couple of months remarket it again with a sticker slapped on the front saying, you know, billboard number one best-selling album, of course that's
1: going to shift more copies. And I think fans still care a lot about making sure that their favorite artist gets a good debut. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Yeah, we definitely don't totally agree with what Hits Daily Double has to say here. No, we don't. Sorry about that. No, this is a new new thing on Fandemonium where I read articles written by aging white men and we don't agree with them. <laughs> it's a new segment. <laughs> I love it. Is that um, overtaking Pop Peeves?
0: Pop Peeves. <laughs> <laughs> I think this whole um, podcast is basically Pop Peeves. <laughs> Maybe we should change the name to Pop peeve,
1: Yeah, it does roll off the tongue a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> so um i actually don't have that much time left to speak with you
0: oh yeah yeah you've got a um
1: a date tonight i do i have a hot date with liam peen and a few other thousand people <laughs> i the interesting thing okay there's a lot of interesting things about this first of all um not enough Artists, I don't think, have tried doing these virtual concerts yet. So Liam is working with Veeps, who I had never heard of until this. Me either. To do, you know, a virtual concert. I also don't know if this concert is actually live or if it's pre-recorded to seem live. That remains to be seen. Could be the case, yeah. But, um, yeah, so it starts soon. And they sold a limited number of tickets, which I believe was limited to try to drive demand but isn't the advantage of doing a virtual concert where you don't have a maximum capacity that yeah. you can sell an unlimited amount of tickets
0: I guess it depends on the platform they're using so for example I know like Zoom you have a limit of I think it's like 2000 people mm. so I mean never heard of this platform so yeah, unless if you there's have some
1: sort of limit maybe it will take down the system maybe cuz I know um BTS, obviously, because they're pioneers, basically did this for... I mean, this, I know some artists have done, like, little versions of it, but BTS ain't little. So they did um, Bang Bang Con The Live, and mm-hmm. they sold their tickets on Weverse, which is a South Korean app. And th- I guess the average ticket price was $26. They sold 756,000 <laughs> virtual wow. tickets. So they would have earned $20 million. Jeez. From one show. I mean, it's phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, that's just like, I don't feel like enough people are talking about that. That's incredible. Mm, That's amazing. So I don't think Liam will sell that many tickets, but I think he will be successful in this. And I hope Mm. that other people follow through because like, I'm, I'm so excited to watch him. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen him perform in two years and... I've had obviously no concerts this year. Nobody has. And like, this is just like such an exciting thing to do in the middle of, you know, lockdown. So I I just want this to go well so badly.
0: it will be really interesting. um, Obviously just to see what this veeps thing is like, but also if they're focusing more on his production rather than just, you know, how a lot of these lockdown gigs have obviously been really stripped back when, I mean, I guess it's a little bit different here because restrictions are easing quite a lot. But at the very start where you obviously couldn't see anyone and it could just be, you know, someone's like Niall at the start when it was just him sat in front of his computer with an acoustic guitar. It's not any massive production value. But if he has gone to this thing, I mean, they could have set up on own stage he might have some co2 cannons you know we can we can hope for this stuff
1: yeah i mean he said like he's using a venue that's obviously not operational right now he's mm. using a crew that doesn't have any work like he's actually yeah. like generating income for these people in these places that don't have right now so like my god he's such a good person too <laughs> he can do no wrong either i know just doing the best for people i'm so proud of my boys Uh, So in conclusion, I just want to say, following up on our last episode, which was entirely about the One Direction 10-year anniversary, Uh. (laughs) we now know that they are giving us a website Mm -hmm. with potentially some new content, but mostly recycled old content. Yeah. I don't believe that Louis would threaten to egg Liam's house over that. Mm -hmm. So I choose to believe something else is coming. That can't be it. They're going to surprise us. I really,
0: I really do hope so, because that is just a little bit, I mean, again, working in catalogue music, I totally get it from a perspective of if the artist is dead and you literally can't do anything (laughs) to mark that. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. I mean, for example, we've literally just rebuilt something for David Bowie's website, And I mean, there's only so much you can do with different marketing strategies and the content you have, even the unreleased stuff that fans don't have access to yet. But, you know, there's a limit when you can't get any more from that person. Right. That is not the case for One Direction. (laughs) Correct. There is so much you can do with these boys, whether it's like freaking, I mean, I think at this point, we'd just be happy with all of them getting together and sending a message out to us, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems like from the press release that that we are getting that yeah but i don't it didn't seem like there was anything that i could throw my money at and i want to throw my money at things
0: i find it really hard to believe that they wouldn't put together some kind of anniversary merchandise
1: yeah i mean especially like this ties back to what we said about sony maintaining control over this music sony do you want to make money right now (laughs) you can do it they make a lot
0: on just the One Direction catalogue. Like, last week it just went up
1: 200,000 streams in a week. It's not... It, it's big, big numbers. Yeah, I mean, thats it seems like they're pushing more streaming with this website because they want you to, like, make your own mixtape and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, use it on Spotify or Apple Music, so... Yeah. They're definitely pushing that hard. But I want... Why do I want a Greatest Hits album if I'm just talking about how I don't want a house full of CDs? (laughs) But I do, I want it. I want more, (laughs) goddammit. Oh, I'm a hypocrite. I mean, we're allowed to be, aren't we? Yeah, I have that prerogative. So That's your prerogative. I humbly end this episode with yet another plea to Sony to please give us something beyond a weird archival website on July 23rd. And I must now go watch Liam.
0: (laughs) Wow. If that isn't a strong ending, I don't know what is, my
1: friend. (laughs) Well, I wish everybody a good couple of weeks. We will be back soon. This was episode six of United by Pop's Fandemonium podcast. You can find us in all the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, OnlyFans, United by Pop. (laughs) We'll catch you later. See you on the flip side.
0: (laughs)